Part 1 of Chapter 2 of The Escaping Club This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Omri Lernau Jerusalem Chapter 2 in The Escaping Club by A.J. Evans One More Run, Part 1 The night after we had left the German mess, both Lee and Austin were so ill from stomach trouble that it was impossible for them to think of escaping. It was, however, in all probability, the last night on which we should be within walking distance of our lines, so I determined to make the attempt by myself. Owing to the nature of their illness, both Lee and Austin were compelled to make frequent visits to the latrines which were little wooden huts about fifty yards away in the middle of the compound. I also pretended to be ill, and went out each time accompanied by a sentry who usually came with us the whole way. But Austin reported that one sentry had allowed him to get twenty yards ahead, so I made what preparations I could to escape. We had no map, no compass, and very little food between us, but it was a starlight night and I thought I could scarcely fail to hit the coast. The first three times I went, the sentry kept too close to me to permit me to escape without considerable risk of an immediate alarm, and as I hoped with luck and by skillful manoeuvre to be past the outside sentries, if there were any, before my escape was noticed, after due delay I returned each time. The fourth time I went out, the more careless of the three sentries came with me, and as he stopped for a moment to say something to his mates, I walked on quickly and got twenty yards ahead of him. When I came to the latrine, I pretended to enter the door, but actually stepped behind the hut and walked rapidly away, keeping the hut between the sentry and myself. However, I had not gone thirty yards when he saw me. I heard him shout, so I ran. I think he threw a stone after me, but he did not fire. As a matter of fact, I must have been a very dim target in that light by the time he had unslung and cocked his rifle. I passed through a gap in the prickly pear hedge, and just outside saw a small tent near which several men were sitting around a fire. One of the camp pickets, I thought, but I passed without being seen, and struck out, walking and running alternatively across the marshy valley of the Kishon, making to hit the coast somewhat south of Caesarea. At times I thought that the alarm had been raised behind me, and twice the barking of dogs made me think that I was being followed. Imagination plays one strange tricks under circumstances of this sort, when one's nerves and senses are strung to the very highest pitch, for this escape had been by far the greatest strain on my nerves that I had ever experienced. It was so much worse than any escape in Germany, because of the long tense hours while I waited for an opportunity, because I had to go alone, and because the risks were greater and the dangers and chances less calculable than in any previous adventure. 
Omne ignotum pro magnifico est. It had been just about midnight when I left the camp, and it was very little after one o'clock when I reached the rising ground on the west side of the valley, near the valley of Megiddo, after over six miles of very bad going. All that night I pressed on to at top speed, avoiding the villages and meeting no one in that wild and desolate country. Though I had to cross several small valleys, most of the time I was climbing, and dawn found me on rather a bare exposed part on the top of the ridge, from which, when day came, I saw the sea. It had been most difficult to pick a good hiding place, as there were no trees and very few bushes, and some thickish heather behind a small boulder was the best cover I could find. The country had appeared to so desolate at night that I hoped to find it quite uninhabited in the daytime, but I soon saw my mistake. From about six o'clock onwards, shepherds with their flocks wandered on many of the distant hills, and a quarter of a mile away down in the valley there were many small patches of cultivation, where men were working. I made up my mind that if chased by Arabs in that country in daylight, the chances of escape were nil, so I took off my boots and went to sleep. About eight o'clock I woke up and saw an Arab with a rifle, standing about ten yards off, looking at me. His appearance in every sense was most unexceptionally unpleasant. I nodded to him as he came up and said, Guten Tag, and motioned to him to sit down beside me. He sat down and made some unintelligible remarks to me, to which I answered in German, and offered him a cigarette. He smoked for a bit, and things seemed to me to be going rather well. Then he started talking again, and kept on repeating some words which I suddenly recognized as Jenin, the name of the German aerodrome about four miles away. I jumped at that and said, Ja, ja, Deutscher, Jenin, Tiara, Turkish for aeroplane, boom, boom, boom and pointed to myself, by which he was supposed to understand that I was a German flying man from Jenin Aerodrome, and my natural habits were bomb-dropping. He seemed to grasp this, and after smoking another cigarette, went away over the brow of the hill, to my great relief. Soon after his departure I selected another hiding place, about one hundred yards away, and crawled into it on my hands and knees. Even if he had come back to look for me, for I thought he might put two and two together if he learned during the day that the prisoner had escaped, I doubt if he would have found me without the help of a dog. All that day, and the day seemed endless, I lay in the broiling sun and suffered very greatly from thirst, for I had had nothing to drink since about two o'clock on the previous night. The only food I had with me was half a pound of bread and about the same amount of dried green gags, a food met much eaten by the Turkish soldiers and quite nourishing. However, I was far too thirsty to eat. During the day I saw some German aeroplanes flying low over the countryside, and thought that perhaps they were looking for me, 
as I found out afterwards was the case. Being an airman myself, I knew that the chance of finding me, if I lay still, was just nil, and watching them helped to pass the time. During the day I almost changed my mind and decided to go due south to our lines, but the sight of the sea was so attractive that I determined to keep on in that direction. End of part one in One More Run in chapter two of The Escaping Club by A. J. Evans.